Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Hey, Victory family, so glad that you're here today. To all the first-time guests, we love you. We're honored that you chose to step out of your comfort zone and come to Victory today to experience what God is doing here. Today, we're so honored to have a mentor in my life and a friend to this church, a member of this church, Dr. Billy Wilson, the president of Oral Roberts University, bringing the message today. And I wanna encourage you to lean in, take notes, get ready to receive something powerful. You know, we've been in our series this time next year, and I've been talking about the importance of generational connections and how Naomi was twice the age of Ruth, and yet Naomi was able to speak into Ruth's life and give Ruth counsel and wisdom and advice as Ruth was stepping into new seasons, new chapters in her life. I'm so thankful for those in my life that are twice my age, but have the wisdom and experience to help counsel me. One of those people is Dr. Wilson. As you listen today, you're gonna hear some powerful wisdom to make the most of your year this year, to really follow God's plan for your life. I wanna encourage you to come back next week as I start a new series here at Victory in the month of February called the XO Series. It's a series about marriage and love, dating, singleness, and relationships. And I wanna encourage you to be here for every week of the series. I know it'll encourage you. We're so honored you're here today. Let's stand up on our feet right now and welcome to the stage, Dr. Billy Wilson. church. You may be seated today. I want to just mention before we get into God's Word that um, last week we had a wonderful celebration at ORU of the anniversary of the 100th birthday of Oral Roberts. It was a great time. A new scholarship fund started for our international students, a wonderful celebration. And on that occasion, there's a book that has been released, written by Neil Eskelin, It's a very unique book. It's called The New ORU Empowered for the 21st Century. Now, some of you know that have been around Tulsa for a while that founding pastors, Billy Joe and Sharon Daugherty, were very instrumental in connecting with ORU. They were spiritual sons and daughters of Oral Roberts University. And during a very critical time, perhaps the most critical days of ORU, Billy Joe Daugherty became interim president for a season. I'm convinced in studying the history and living through some of it uh, just uh, 9, 10, 11 years ago now, that during that time, Billy Joel was the key to getting ORU to a new season and to the miracles that we've seen. Without his discernment, sensitivity to the Green family, I'm not sure we would have ever gotten crossed over, but we have, and the university's doing great, so get this book in the bookstore. It's $15. You'll want to read about uh, your founder's in, uh, involvement and see what's going on at ORU today. God is blessing our university just across the street. We're inextricably linked in partnership. We pray for victory. Victory prays for ORU. We have uh, had nine consecutive years now of enrollment growth at ORU, and we have no debt at ORU. Give God praise. Very exciting times. We are so grateful for what God is doing. We never take it for granted. We have 101 nations attending this university now, literally from around the world. 
and we're very thankful. Today I want to preach a very simple sermon. I feel like my instruction from the Lord uh, this weekend have been to preach little and pray big. And so that's what I'm going to do today. I've argued, as I mentioned in the prior services, a little bit with God about this message. I, as I began to seek the Lord two or three weeks ago when um, Paul asked me to be in the pulpit today, he actually on just a short break, that um, the Lord immediately led me to the passage I'm going to preach on, and I've never preached a sermon on it until last night, and began to unfold some things to me, and I, I told the Lord, I said, this is really simple. You know, again, Paul's in this pulpit, he rides bikes, bikes around the church building, he, he does balancing beam acts on the stage, all kinds of stuff, and uh, the Lord said, no, no, just be simple this weekend, and tell them this, tell them, seek me. Seek me. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Father, I thank you for these moments that we have together. Now I pray, Holy Spirit, speak through me today. Touch people from the very top row to the front row and show us your glory in this place. We promise, Lord, we won't touch it. We won't take credit. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. wow, God's going to do something mighty here this morning. Leonard Ravenhill said, the self-sufficient do not pray, the self-satisfied will not pray, the self-righteous cannot pray, no man is greater than his prayer life. Now for the next few moments, I'm going to be talking about an individual in Scripture who knew how to pray. It's a bit of a different kind of sermon. He's a character in the Old Testament, actually was one of the kings of Judah named Hezekiah. Hezekiah became king at the age of 25 and immediately began to seek God in Judah. He brought a number of reforms and led the kingdom into a time of corporate renewal and revival. He tore down the high places. He destroyed the idols of generations past. He reopened the temple, which had been closed in his father's day. He reestablished the Passover, and God began to bring a wonderful spirit of renewal and grace upon the kingdom. Now, I think you understand Scripture says that righteousness exalts a nation. And so as Judah was seeking God and establishing righteousness and doing what was right, God began to bless them. And the kingdom began to expand, and God began to strengthen their defense systems. Hezekiah devised a way for water to be piped in to the city of Jerusalem, so if any enemy ever came and sieged the city, they would be safe on the inside and would have water to drink. He began to establish the army. He spent a lot on defense. He made the people ready for anything they were going to encounter, and God blessed the nation. I think you also know that when God blesses you many times, uh, darkness does not like it. When God's kingdom advances, it means the kingdom of darkness must go backward, and Satan does not like that. And so soon after God's blessing upon the kingdom of Judah, the king of Assyria decided that he would oppress Jerusalem and Judah. 
So he invaded the land of Judah. He took a number of cities and he said to King Hezekiah, I'm going to destroy and take the city of Jerusalem. In that moment, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, threatens Hezekiah in a number of ways. He sends an ambassador. He shouts to those on the wall. He tells people that their God will not answer them and that they're in trouble and that all the cities before them have been falling. And then he sends Hezekiah a letter threatening to destroy him and the city if he does not surrender. Hezekiah takes this letter before God. He had learned in those years of reformation how to seek God. So he takes the letter before God. He spreads it out before God and he says, God, you've got a problem. Read the letter. So God read the letter and spoke to his prophet Isaiah, who was a contemporary of Hezekiah and helping him with the spiritual reform. Isaiah gets a message from God and says it to Hezekiah. This king that has come one way, he's going back the same way. You will not surrender the city. You will not give up Jerusalem. God is going to bless you. Stand firm and don't flinch. God is with you. And that night, the angel of the Lord visited the camp of the Assyrian army and 185,000 soldiers died in one night, unheard of in human history. Sennacherib then goes home and is actually murdered back at his homeland in what could be compared to a coup. Immediately after this moment of great deliverance, we think, if we understand chronologically correctly in Scripture, is the occasion I want to speak to today in 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings 20 in verse 1 begins this way. I'm going to read 11 verses, so stay with me and read this along in your Bible or on the screen. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? And Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? It is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Hezekiah was sick. We think from all that we have read around this occasion, perhaps with cancer or perhaps a cancer like melanoma that had formed boils or tumors on his skin. 
Isaiah's message to him and his sickness was very simple. We've called hospice in, call the family in, get your will in order, it's over, you're going to die. It was a message from God that Isaiah delivered that this was the end for King Hezekiah. Now we think that Hezekiah was probably around 40 years old when he received this message, having reigned about 15 years before this moment. Here he is, a young king receiving a message that he was going to die. Perhaps in Hezekiah's mind, he remembered the story of his great-grandfather Uzziah, who had been a great king and scripture said had prospered as long as he sought the Lord. As long as he was seeking God, God made Uzziah to prosper, but in his prosperity he forgot God. He got angry at the priests of God. He got leprosy and he died in reproach. And Hezekiah may have been thinking, here I am a king about to die again in the prime of life. And scripture says he turned his face to the wall. He sought God in prayer and God saw his tears and heard his cry. Now, when Isaiah is mid-court leaving the palace of Hezekiah, God stops him. This may have seemed a bit confusing to Isaiah. He's just delivered God's message. He feels good as he leaves the king, though he's sad that King Hezekiah, the great reformer, the great revivalist, is going to, to leave the world so early. And so I'm sure he's heavy. And then all of a sudden he gets another word from God that says, go back and tell him he's not going to die. You know. A little tougher prophet, you know, which one's right? Well, both are right. Go back and tell him he's not going to die. I'm going to give him 15 more years to live. And so when Isaiah delivers this better news message, he says, Hezekiah says, what's the sign that's going to be true? You just gave me God's word, I'm going to die. And now you tell me I'm not going to die. He said, well, you got your choice. He said, over here, there is a mechanism of some type that we think uh, probably was borrowed from the Babylonians. It was a little before the sundial time, and they were using steps and a shadow on the steps to tell time. Now, this has been done through history. In fact, in the Yucatan Peninsula, at a place called Chechen Itza, we, we find that the Mayans used the sun to tell the time of year. In fact, there's a temple bit there. You'll see it on the screen, and you'll see this uh, shadow on there that looks a bit like a serpent. During the day on summer solstice, uh, that moves down those steps almost in the form of a serpent. You'll see the serpent's head right at the base, and they use the shadow and the sun to tell what time of year it was. We also also know in history of the sundial, which would allow people to tell what part of the day it was. We think in Hezekiah's time that Ahaz, his father, had set up this mechanism where a shadow cast upon the steps would help you see how far you were into the day. Obviously, the lower the, the sun went and toward evening, the shadow would get longer and longer. And so Isaiah says, which do you want? The shadow to go forward, us to speed things up, or for God to back it up and slow things down? Hezekiah said, it's easy for the shadow to go forward. Time's flying all the time. It goes too fast. Every time I look over there, the shadow's moving faster than I thought it would. He said, no, no. He said, instead of that, make the shadow go back 10 steps. Turn things around. Have a redo 
on time. Now, we're not sure if each step represented a minute, an hour. We're not, we don't know. We do know that it probably was enough time that it was significant in its effect and affected Hezekiah to trust that God would do what he said he was going to do. They put the fig poultice on the boil or the tumor. It dried it up, and in three days, he was in the temple cleansed and well and healed by the power of God. Come on, give God praise. Now, I've come this morning to talk about you seeking God personally and to tell you two very simple and profound things. When you seek God, you can change history. John Wesley said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Now, if that's half true, we have a big job to do. It means no one gets saved unless someone prays. It means no one is delivered unless someone prays. It means that the gospel doesn't go forward unless someone prays. And in my own journey and personal experience for years and years and years, I can tell you it, it probably is completely true, but at least it is mostly true. Let me ask you, how many of you in this room are believers in Jesus? All right, wonderful. We're glad you're here today. And if you're not, you're going to have an opportunity to receive him in just a moment as your Savior. Now, how many of you that just raised your hand that you're a believer in Jesus know for a fact that someone was praying for you before you received Christ as your Savior? Yeah, the hands go back up. Why don't you give God thanks for that person that was praying for you? They helped change your personal history. In this day, when Hezekiah gets this message, he had learned to pray. He had seen God slay 185,000 people in one night because he had went into intercession when he'd gotten this letter of threat. And so he turns his face to God. He begins to cry out. We see part of his prayer later on in the book of Isaiah. He says something to God like this, Lord, the grave can't praise you and the dead don't sing your praises. I've still got a lot of life to live. There's a lot of song in me. There's a lot of praise in me. It's not time for me to go home yet. I ask you to lengthen my days. Most uh, scholars believe that indeed Hezekiah, after this moment of healing, wrote several psalms. They're found in the book of Psalms, and they're called the Psalms of Ascent or the Psalms of the Steps. Hezekiah got another chance because he sought God. Maybe today in this room, you need another chance. Maybe you need another chance at life. Maybe you need another chance in your family. Maybe you need another chance with a loved one or even on the job. Maybe you made a mistake you shouldn't have made. You did something you shouldn't have done and, and forever you're in your heart saying, oh, I wish I could do that day over again. I wish I could have those hours back again. Well, Hezekiah got that day over. I personally believe that the 10 steps going backward probably went back to before Isaiah entered the house the first time and Hezekiah could say, it's just like I never got that bad verdict in the first place. I, I'm gonna be healed by the power of God. It's gonna be well. Wow. My parents, some of you know my story, were separated and divorced when I was five. They were apart for 15 years. Both of them got far away from God during that time. And I watched as they both turned and began to seek God again. And as they began to seek God, God brought them closer together and they were remarried. 
In fact, they were together the second time 35 years until my father went home to be with Jesus a few years ago. And I watched God help them do more in the 35 years than they could have done in the 50 years. God was able to roll the time back, give them another chance, and allow his blessings to come. Now, that may not be your story. I'm not saying that today, and I'm not even talking about necessarily God giving you another chance with those hours that you may have wasted or something that you've done. But I can say to you this, it will be just as though, if you seek God, just as though he turns the clock back, he moves time back, and it gives you a do-over and allows you to do it again. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Everything becomes new. We're born again. We get another chance in the grace of God. Wow. When you seek God, you can make and change history. Colonel Archibald Gracie was a passenger on the Titanic in 1912. He was enjoying his journey, was swimming in the pool, and they had a pool on the Titanic, amazing to me, in 1912. It was six feet deep. It was saltwater heated. It was a beautiful cruise coming over across the Atlantic Ocean. He would say, in no swimming bath had I ever enjoyed such pleasure, but his account went on to say, but near, near it was to be, it was being about to become my last plunge. Before dawn of another day, I would be swimming for my life, he said, in mid-ocean in a temperature of 28 degrees. After his swim in the pool of the Titanic that night, that Sunday night, Gracie went to sleep in his cabin, only to be awakened by a sudden shock and noise. He dressed quickly, ran up to the deck, and discovered that the boat had hit an iceberg and was in trouble. During those same moments when the Titanic hit the iceberg in the Atlantic and began toward its plunge to the depths, Colonel Archibald Gracie's wife was in New York City fast asleep. Suddenly, in the middle of the morning, about 2 to 3 in the morning, Mrs. Gracie was disturbed in her sleep. She was awakened. She didn't know exactly what it was. She waited for a moment and realized that she needed to pray. She had a burden to get up and pray. So she got up out of bed, slid down on her knees, grabbed her prayer book, and opened it. And providentially, it opened to a page that said, For Those at Sea. She prayed earnestly in those early morning hours until about 5 a.m. when the burden of prayer lifted and she went back to sleep until about 8 in the morning when her sister arrived at the door carrying a newspaper in hand to give her the gentle but tragic news that the Titanic had sunk. What happened to Colonel Gracie? I quote, he said, I was in a whirlpool swirling round and round as I still tried to cling to the railing as the ship plunged to the depths below. Down, down I went. It seemed a great distance. Ascending back to the surface, I could see no Titanic. The ship had entirely disappeared beneath the surface of the ocean without a sign or any wave. A thin, light gray, smoky vapor hung like a pail a few feet above the sea, and there arose the most horrible sounds ever heard by mortal man, the agonizing cries of death from a thousand throats. Gracie was one of the few rescued from the freezing waters. He would later write, and I quote, I know of no recorded instance in providential deliverance more directly attributable to prayer. You can make a difference in your own life and in the lives of others. When 
Gracie's wife woke up that night and began to pray. She had no idea what was going on. There were no uh, phones in that time, iPhones. No one could take a selfie or Instagram or post online. Uh, there wasn't any newswire service to her house, but the Holy Spirit knew what was going on in the Atlantic and burdened her to pray because God's word teaches us that the way we access the will of God, the way we see God's plan happen in our life is through prayer. Jesus taught us to pray by saying, thy will be done on earth as it is is in heaven. Prayer is an accessing. It is an opening of the portal for the will of God to come into the earth. It brings God's will from that that is in heaven into the now, into the world, into the moment. That night, Gracie prayed the will of God into the earth that her husband would be rescued and he was and he's alive or was alive for a long time. Come on, give God praise. When Hezekiah prayed, the clock turned back. He got another chance. And secondly, not only can we make history when we seek God, but we can see the miraculous when we seek God. Hezekiah was healed of his terminal illness. A fig poultice was used, the best medicine of the day. There's a good chance they'd tried that earlier, but it didn't work. Now with God involved and God's decision made, it worked. Prayer and faith are the tracks upon which God's miracle supply run. We access the eternal, the invisible, the supply of the living God, the God that made heaven and earth and made everything that is seen and unseen, the God that made every cell in your body and every DNA strand you possess, that God you access by calling upon him and seeking him fervently. And when you touch him, he can do the supernatural in your life and in your family. Martin Luther said, prayer's a powerful thing, for God has bound and tied himself thereto. None can believe how powerful prayer is and what, is, what it is able to effect, but those who have learned it by experience. We miss out on a lot because we don't ask. James said, you do not have because you do not ask God. <laughs> wow. Some ways there's a misnomer in our world that whatever happens to you is happening because it must be the will of God. I would encourage you not to always accept everything that happens to you as the will of God. Now, as you seek him with groanings that cannot be uttered and seek him in despair, he's able to work in everything that is happening to you for your good. But don't assume that everything that's happening to you is the will of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I had a friend in college. He was my roommate, Kevin. He was a great guy. We had a, a tremendous journey. I was dating Lisa at the time and in love. And, and uh, Kevin was a good friend. He was in my wedding later on. But Kevin came from a, a theological background that just believed that what was happening to you was predestined for all of time. And so you were just walking it out. And he was one depressed guy some days. In fact, I mentioned to Lisa this week in preparing for this message about Kevin. And I told her, you know, Kevin used to get up at times in the morning and he would go, life's a bummer. Of course, we had 8 a.m. classes, so we felt that way some days, obviously. But life's a bummer. And Lisa said, yeah, I must have heard him say that a thousand times. Life's a bummer. 
Well, if you feel like everything happening to you is coming from God, who is a good God, then you are really going to see life as a bummer. But if you understand when you pray, when you seek God, when you call for the will of God to be done in earth, you can make a difference, you can change history, and you can receive the supernatural grace of the living God into your life. I think sometimes, too, we, we give up too quickly. We, we succumb too early. We acquiesce without strong effort toward God. This passage in Hebrews says, you know, faith is believing God is and that he rewards those who earnestly, diligently, consistently, feverishly, fervently seek him. He rewards us when we seek him. That's faith. Sometimes we pray once and then we just go on. Think, well, God didn't do it. Must not be God's will. Several years ago, I was in ministry, young, aspiring preacher, uh, about Paul's age. <clears throat> Paul can't add very well. He said I was twice as old as he is. I need to correct that. <laughs> if I am, he's a lot younger than I think he is. However, I am a bit older, and I was about his age. I was getting ready to preach at a very large conference. Actually, I was a little younger than he is now. And I was seeking God. I'd been in the mountains on a fast and seeking God and studying and felt like I had a word for this conference. I was on uh, one of the chief nights. I was sort of the keynote, and um, the Lord really spoke to me. And in between the mountain time that I'd been alone with God and the conference I was going to be in, we had a big youth camp that I directed each year. And people from around the world came. I was the denomination's youth ministries director, and so we had this thing called International Youth Camp. People came from all over the world, and so in just a couple of days after being away in the mountains, I was to go to camp and direct this camp with our staff, and it was always a powerful, wonderful time. And that night after I got home, I, I felt a little pain in my back. I went to bed that night. I'd been on a pretty long fast. Uh, didn't do it right. I didn't drink enough water. So please, if you're seeking God during this time of year, make sure you're drinking plenty of fluids. And about three in the morning, two or three in the morning, I awakened with this pain that just grabbed my back and wouldn't let go. And as the night went on, I got uh, worse and worse. I became very sick, very nauseous, ran to the bathroom. And I had Lisa call two friends, uh, husband and wife, who were part of our intercessor team and really, really prayer warriors. And so she called them for prayer. We didn't expect that they would come over, but they did. They got in the car in the middle of the night, came to our house. And there I am in the middle of the floor, moaning, groaning, pitiful, as some of us guys get when we're hurting. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, you can hit your husband right there. And uh, I, I was hurting so much, I was pulling the carpet out of the floor. We had some of that carpet that was sort of a shag-looking carpet. I was literally pulling it out. And uh, so they prayed for me for about 15 minutes. And finally, this prayer warrior who really knew how to get through to God, she turned to Lisa and she said, I think we better take him to the emergency room. We're not getting anywhere. <laughs> so Lisa got me down in the van. I stood up in the van all the way to the hospital. We got to the emergency room. I walked in the door and the lady behind the desk looked up and pointed at me and she said, you have a kidney stone. I said, how do you know that? You haven't taken a picture, done a test? She said, people with kidney stones look like that. So after they did the test, she was right. I had a very large kidney stone lodged just out of the kidney in the duct. And it was stuck. So I spent about a day and a half or, or two, I think. I drank everything they gave me. 
cranberry juice, water, anything I could put down, trying to flush this kidney stone out. I walked around. I did everything I could. I was on pain medicine. Thank God for pain medicine during that moment. They say having a kidney stone is sort of like having a baby, except you don't get the baby afterwards. Of course, Lisa said there's no comparison. She never had a kidney stone, but no comparison. I agree with her. It was really hard. I was hurting really bad. And it wouldn't move. So they kept taking pictures, and it was in exactly the same spot, had not moved at all. So finally the doctor came into me and said, tomorrow morning, Mr. Wilson, we're going to need to do a procedure. We're going to go into your body. We're going to get the stone. We're going to crush it. We're going to be able to get it out, and you'll be okay. But it's going to take you a while to rehabilitate and get over this. So I thought to myself, okay, there goes the youth camp, and probably there goes the message that I thought I had from God for this conference. And I said, okay. I guess that must be God's will. So we're waiting for the surgery the next morning, and that night our prayer warrior friend and her husband come back to the room. I mean, they come to see us in the hospital, and they come to the room. And we get to talking a little bit, and she says, well, let's pray again. And so we prayed again, and boy, this time all heaven came down. I got up out of the bed. I'm walking around the room. I'm raising my hands, and the Holy Spirit has just filled this hospital room, and I know I've been touched by God. But I get back in bed with a still having a kidney stone until about four in the morning. I got up. I went to the restroom. I was looking at everything that came out to see if I passed the stone. And there, in just a moment, it was. Pretty good-sized little rock. The doctor came in and looked at what had happened. He said, no surgery today. You're fine, Mr. Wilson. And I think they sent me home that afternoon. I had a friend with a private airplane. He said, here, I'll take you to North Carolina. They took me to North Carolina. I did the youth camp. I preached at the uh, general conference. God's power was real and strong. What are you saying, Dr. Wilson? I'm saying this. Sometimes we quit too soon. Sometimes we just give up and assume it's not God's will to heal us. It's not God's will to get through to us. And God says, no, no. If you seek me diligently, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Oh, this is very biblical. As you look at the New Testament, you see people who kept seeking God. When Bartimaeus first cries out to Jesus, everybody says, be quiet. What does he do? He cries out more. He's desperate for God. Jesus gives a parable in Luke chapter 18 about a widow woman who has been done wrong and she goes to the judge and she asks the judge for help and he won't answer her. And she keeps knocking at the door and knocking at the door and knocking at the door. And finally in the middle of the night, the judge gets up and goes to the door and says, what do you want? And he takes care of her because he says, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then he says, how much more will your heavenly father avenge those who seek him for his justice and righteousness. Or another account in Matthew 15, a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman comes to Jesus because her daughter is grievously vexed by a devil. And she says, Jesus, I heard you can help people that are demonized and I want you to help me. And Jesus doesn't answer her at first. And finally, his disciples said, well, can we send her away? She is really bothering us. <laughs> and when you get someone that's desperate for God, they can be somewhat bothersome. Jesus doesn't answer. Finally, the woman runs to him and falls down and says, Lord, please have mercy on me. Help me and my daughter. She's grievously vexed of the devil. And ultimately, Jesus says to her, she, he, he looks at her and says, you know, 
it, it just wouldn't be right for me to take the bread that's on the children's table, speaking of the Jewish people, and give it to the Gentiles who are dogs. He calls this lady, in essence, a dog because she's a Canaanite, a Gentile. He says God is going to feed the children, the Jewish people, but he's not going to feed you. And she says, one of the classic statements in all of Scripture, that's right, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs off of the master's table. Just give me a crumb. And immediately Jesus says, your faith is great. And from that moment on, her daughter is completely delivered and set free by the power of God because she sought the Lord and persisted. Oh, my, 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 my. Come on, give God praise in this place. How do you find God, Dr. Wilson? How do you find him? He says, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The question today is not as God seeking you. From the time Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and sinned against God, he's been seeking us. He came that day looking for them. He came searching for them. He's always looking for you. If you're away from him today, he's been looking for you. He, he's like the father of a son in the scripture who stood every day looking in the direction his son had left, hoping he would come home. Even more so, God has come to where you are. He's brought you to this place. He's looking for you. He's searching for you. He wants you. That's not the question. The question is, are you seeking him? Because when you seek him, you can change history. And you can see the miraculous happen in your life. So this morning, maybe you're here and you say, Billy, I need, um, I need another chance. I missed it. I, I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. And oh, if God would just give me another chance. Well, the God who makes the sun, the shadow go back 10 steps is in this room today. And he can give you another opportunity. Your family, your job, your own personal life, your own integrity. You may have lost it. God can give you and will give you the chance to get it back. It'll be as if he has turned time back and you get a do-over. If you're here today and there's something in your life or a situation in which you really, really want another chance, would you stand right now? Just stand up right where you are and say, you know, I need another chance at this. Come on, come on, come on. Just stand up. Stand up where you are, all over, up there, down here, wherever you are. Come on, come on. There's about 10 more. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Obey the Holy Spirit. God's going to give you another chance if you'll seek him, if you'll seek him, if you'll seek him. You know, Hezekiah could have said, hey, I just heard from the prophet. The sentence is done. It's over. This is the man of God. He's always been accurate in his prophecies. He did not do that. He knew the living God. So he turned his face to God and he sought him and he prayed. And God said, Isaiah, go back, go back, go back. Tell him, tell him I heard his cry. I'm turning the prophetic flow around. I'm turning the situation around. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to give him another chance. Some of you here may have gotten a verdict from a doctor. 
God says, you haven't sought me yet about that. You haven't heard from me about that yet. You haven't got my pink slip yet. You haven't, you haven't heard from me on this situation. And you need God to work. Now, if you're here also this morning and you need a miracle in your life, we access the miraculous through prayer and seeking God. If you need a miracle, I tell you, I really feel like I, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me again just during worship. I, on my knees over here. The Holy Spirit said to me, I'm going to do some things today and you're not to take any credit. I said, okay, Lord. He said, don't touch it. I always want to do that, but the Lord has specifically told me today, don't touch it. Because he wants to do something really mighty for some people in this room. Some of you need a miracle, and I want to tell you, the miracle worker is here today. If you need a miracle in your life, maybe you have never asked God for this, or maybe you've asked a dozen times, I'm going to invite you to ask again. If you need a miracle in your life, stand up right now. Stand up. God knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. Now, here's what I want you to do. Everybody that's standing, if you need another chance in some way in your life or you need a miracle to happen today, I want you to come forward right now. Everybody, everybody standing. Come on, everybody else stand up as they come and don't go out yet. Stay with us just a moment. Come on, come on, come on. Give God praise as they come today. Bring somebody with you. Say, come on, go with me and pray. I, I need a miracle. I want to seek God. I want to see God do something in my life. That's right. Come on, come on. All over this building. Wow. Wow. Give God praise. Come on. Here they come. God, God hears your cry. He's going to hear you today and do something about this. Wow. Now just come all the way. Fill this whole front over here. We have prayer, uh, prayer assistance all over the room. Victory team is ready to minister to you. God's going to minister to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, come on. You need a miracle. You need God to touch you. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Get, just fill that whole area over there, all the way to the door if you need to. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Wow. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. We're believing God today. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We promise you, Lord, we won't touch your glory because you're going to do something amazing here in these next few minutes. I want everybody that remained in your seat, if you have, to find somebody and join hands with them, would you please? I need your help today. We're going to ask the God of the universe who can make the degrees of the shadow go back 10 steps to give these people that have come that needed another chance. And we're going to ask the God, the creator God of the universe that can put eyes where there are no eyes and ears where there are no ears, that can heal cancer and heart disease and diabetes, that can heal paralytics, that can, that can heal hearts and marriages and lives and finances. That God, the living God, the mighty God, we are seeking Him today that He would do His work in this place. So for the next few minutes, those of you in the crowd, I need you to put a track in place. I need you to reach into the eternal. I need you to reach in to the heavenly and lay a track of prayer into this room today that will allow the power of God to come into these lives and bring healing today. Everybody that's up front, raise your hands. We're going to do two prayers. Come on, everybody up here, raise your hands. It may be unusual to you. Maybe you've never done this in your whole life. Maybe you've never been in anything like this. Just, just go with us a little bit. God's going to help you. He loves you. He's been looking for you. He's been seeking you. 
Raise them up really high, really high. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you, maybe for the very first time in your life, are going to seek God for your life. Father, I ask you now, all over this building and all over the front, every person here, Lord, that needs another chance, that needs a new beginning, that needs forgiveness, I pray right now, if, you, if that's you, just open your mouth and tell him, I need help, God. I need, I need you, Jesus. You don't have to come up with some kind of religious words. Just tell him, I need help. Help me, Jesus. Please help me. Help me. Change this. Change my heart. Change my direction. Change my future, Jesus. Change the history I've been in. Turn it around, Jesus. Cry out to him. You'll find him when you seek him with all of your heart. Not my heart, your heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's right. Somebody just got through. Somebody, somebody just touched heaven. Somebody just touched the grace of God. Oh, your family's going to be better. God's going to give you another chance. You're going to say, I'm sorry, and it's going to be just like it never happened. God is going to work a miracle for you in this. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody that's up front here, I want you to lay your hand on someone's shoulder beside you, around you. You're going to be God's minister while you're being ministered to as well. The miracle-working power of God is in this house. He came in about mid-worship in a very unusual way, a manifestation of His presence and weight and glory. Oh, come on, all over this room, just let the Holy Spirit pray through you. Come on, now pray for your friend. Pray for those around you. You may not have met them, just pray for them. Open your mouth and pray for them. God, work a miracle in their life today. Work a miracle, work a miracle, work a miracle. Cure the cancer. Stop the heart attacks. Cure the nerves and the, the unsettledness that they've been in. Break their addiction, Jesus. Break the drugs off of them. Break the powers of hell and the powers of darkness that have surrounded them. Oh, God, deliver them into your light and into your joy. Yes, 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 in Jesus' name. Oh, I know you've been here before, but you've never been here this day. Today, today, you get through. Today, you break through. Today, heaven stops and pauses and ministers to your need in Jesus' name. Like the woman, Lord, we want anything. Anything from you will do. Just give us your help. Jesus, see our faith. No, we're, we're seeking you. We're pursuing you. We're running after you. Do your work. Wow. 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 I want every eye closed up front here. I don't want you looking around. But if you're here right now and you have had a problem with addiction of any kind, it may be addiction to pornography, it may be addiction to painkillers, it may be addiction to uh, drugs or alcohol, addiction to uh, uh, depression, something that you've held on to that you can't seem to let go. I don't know what it is. Maybe tobacco, maybe something like that. I don't know. But you can't seem to break it. Right now, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the cross and the power of Jesus Christ, this is going to be broken in your life now. Hallelujah. Now, throw your hands up, throw your hands up, throw your hands up if you need victory and deliverance. Throw them up. Be free in Jesus' name. You're not going back to that. It's over. God's given you a new beginning today. Oh, come on, give God praise all over this place. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> amen and amen and amen. Oh, let me go one better. 
If God just touched you, you've been addicted, you haven't been able to shake it, but you feel like God has just set you free, I want you to do this. Just jump up a little bit. That's right, that's right. Just jump up and down, be free. Look at this, look at this. Come on, come on, come on. Leap for joy and be glad in Jesus. Wow. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, if you need healing in your body, you need a miracle in your body, a tangible miracle. Raise your hand. You need a miracle. The Holy Spirit, I think, says this. Today, I'm after the hard cases. I'm after the hard cases. He can heal your headache. He can heal your toe ache. God's after the hard cases in this room today. I'm talking about the hard cases. Cases no one else can solve, no one else can do. Two aspirin are not going to take care of it. Doctors haven't been able to take care of it. It seems no one can take care of this. And God says, if you'll let me, if you'll seek me, if you'll pursue me, if you'll lay hold of me today, I'm going to take care of it in my name and for my glory. So keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If you're around somebody with their hands up, I want you to find a way to get to them and lay your hands on them. Somebody lay their hands, your hands on their head and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed today. In the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> Don't just pray for them. Be healed. Administrate healing in this place. Be healed in Jesus' name. Let it be gone. Let it dry up. I command this cancer to dry up and shrivel. Let it be as if it has been electrically shocked by heaven and begin to shrivel and dry up. Let it be like a wart falling off of your body. Let it fall off. Let it fall off in the hands of God and be broken in Jesus' name right now. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Come on, administer healing right now. Body of Christ, administer healing. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they shall recover. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody around this room, lift your hands. Ah, yes, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, I love you, Lord. Oh, hear Hezekiah's words. The grave can't praise you. Only the living, only the living are going to sing your praise. And so, Lord, I'm going to live. I shall not die, but I shall live to sing your praise. There's another song in you. There's another, there's another, there's another chapter in you. There, there, there's another journey in you. There's another business in you. There's another idea in you. There's another creative miracle in you and for you in Jesus' name. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're doing a wonder. You're doing a wonder here today, and I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this house. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. Oh, you're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful. There's virtue flowing into us today. Ah, yes, the woman with the issue of blood, when she touched him, a transaction happened. And the health of Jesus flowed into her body and the health of heaven came into the earth and she was healed and the blood stopped. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus, in this place. We love you, Jesus. I want you to find three people, hug them, and say, I'm going to seek him with all of my heart, and we're going to change history and see the miraculous. Come on, hug some people around here. God bless you today. Let's give Dr. Billy Wilson a round of applause for the word in season this morning. Before we dismiss, I ask that no one's moving before we dismiss. Let's all just pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, yeah, let's say it together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we receive your love. We accept you as Lord of my life. Thank you that you've healed me, that you've changed me, and that you've restored me. And I expect, I expect, I expect a mighty miracle in my situation in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout like you got the victory! Jesus! Man, he reigns. That's a powerful message. I want to encourage you to now begin to walk this message out this week. Seek him earnestly. You're blessed. Expect miracles. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Victory. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.